God tells Habakkuk. Good morning, everyone. Um, I had not, a week ago when Mike was up here preaching, Pastor Mike, I had no idea I'd be here this Sunday. <laughs> uh, as many of you know, he and his family have gone through some tough times. Melissa's father passed away, and, and I still remember last Sunday, Mike was talking about how, uh, you know, sometimes life can get kind of messy. And, uh, you know, just this morning, seeing Shirley here, Shirley and Edmund, and uh, just so glad Shirley's here, huh? Yeah, praise God for what he's done. And I would say that uh, Shirley and Edmund, you know, they could say, you know, life got pretty messy for them for quite a while. And uh, in, just thinking one month ago when we were singing here, I was so excited because uh, it was just about a week or so before my daughter was due to give birth to our very first grandchild. And, uh, you know, so it was exciting. And then, you know, a week later gave birth. And, but 15, she's, my, this is what my daughter said, 15 seconds after they had put little Miriam down on her chest, they suddenly took her away to the natal intensive care unit to NICU. And our daughter had no idea what was happening. Uh, went through quite a bit of trauma with that. And for us, we were on edge for seven days. You know, for them, life got messy. And for us, even though they were there, we were here, we weren't, you know, we weren't messy, but, you know, our life, including our, child, our daughter and our granddaughter, had gotten pretty messy. In fact, messy enough uh, the baby was in NICU for seven days, uh, got out. Seven days later, our daughter ended up in the hospital for six days. And uh, it's like, where is God in all of this? You know, what's God doing? Life can get messy sometimes. And uh, that's what the, pers you know, the, the person who wrote that psalm that Charissa just read also went through a real messy time. And uh, today I want to share what God did in one messy situation with a man named Habakkuk who lived about 2,600 years ago. And in fact, uh, it's really great because God touched him to write down all the stuff that happened when he was going through that messy situation. And I want us to look at some of the things that God showed him and taught him during that time. Now, for him, he was in a time in his country. He lived in the country of Judah. And the leaders and a lot of powerful people in that society, they were doing a lot of evil things, a lot of unjust things to others. And Nicodemus, uh, not Nicodemus, if I say that again, just translate Habakkuk, okay? <laughs> Habakkuk. Maybe I'll call him Hab for short. Habakkuk, he, uh, he came to God and he just said, Hey, God, what's going on here? And uh, it's just great to see this conversation that he had with God and the things we can learn from it. Uh, at the start of the book, Habakkuk cries out to God for help. And from what he writes here, 
This wasn't the first time that he had called out to God for help. He had called quite a few times for help, and it just seemed like God had not heard his prayer. And so here, in the very start of the book, he writes, he says, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? And he asks some other questions. Why this? Why that? He's been crying out to God for quite a while. And it seems like God didn't care. Has this ever happened to you? I know it's happened to me. Uh, you know, you cry out to God and you ask him to help, but it just seems like he's not listening. He's not doing anything. And you start to wonder, why isn't God doing anything? Why won't he fix my problem? And uh, after you've prayed some more, still no answer. You know, that's, that's what Habakkuk was fi- facing. And maybe things get worse. And you wonder, how, how can God be in control of this situation? I just don't see anything happening. Does God really care? Does he care about me? Well, that's what Habakkuk was facing. And, but the great thing is, is suddenly God answered him. And we see the answer in the verses that follow, verses 5 to 11. And uh, what we know from what God said to Habakkuk, we know that it's okay for us to come to God and to ask him questions when we get into some tough situations. We can ask him questions. I know for me, I, a lot of times when I get into a situation, I'll say, God, you know, what happened to cause this problem? What are you doing in this situation? And, you know, sometimes God's helped me to understand, to get a little idea, a little picture of what he's doing. Uh, sometimes he didn't. And it's just like God saying, trust me. Well, the first thing that we can do anytime we get into a tough situation, we can cry out to God. We can cry out to God for help. And uh, when we don't understand what's going on, then we can also ask him to help us understand what he's doing. And if we can't even see or understand what he's answering, we still can be assured that he has heard us. He has heard us. That's sometimes a tough part. You know, we've asked for God to help and, you know, what's happening? What's happening? Well, when that happens the best thing that we can do is remind ourselves of some important things God's promised. He he said, you know, the second thing that we see in this book is that uh, God God tells him, he says, remember that I am in control and I will accomplish my purposes. That's what God tells us. That in in chapter 2, verse 3, you know, the second chapter of, of of this book, this is what God told Habakkuk. He said, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It will certainly happen. To paraphrase this, God's saying, you know, these things that I'm planning won't happen right away, but one day they definitely will happen. You can be sure of that. Well, we can be assured that God is at work in our messy situation. 
Just because we haven't seen him act yet doesn't mean he's not there, doesn't mean he's not doing something. And that's what happened with Habakkuk. You know, he wanted God to do something. You know, he'd been waiting a long time. God, do something about all this evil, about all this injustice. And uh, the interesting thing was, you know, he didn't know, you know, God was in the midst of doing some stuff. He didn't know. But God answered him and he told him, he said, Habakkuk, I'm in control of this thing. You don't need to worry about it. I'm in control. And that was comforting for Habakkuk. But you know what? What happened was God, God said he had got, put some things in place and he was going to use this country called Babylon. It was a more violent, wicked country than Judah. God said, I'm going to use Babylon to punish these wicked people in your society. And Habakkuk shocked. He's, He's like, God, what are you doing? Why are you using a more evil country to deal with our problems? Well, God just basically said, Habakkuk, I'm in control. I know what I'm doing. And the thing was, the thing that Habakkuk found out was, God sometimes works in ways we don't expect him to work. God sometimes will work in ways we don't expect to work. That's what happened with our daughter and the birth. You know, um, in Isaiah 55, verses 8 to 9, real great, two real great verses. Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. God says, he says, My thoughts are completely different from yours, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For Habakkuk, God was not dealing with that problem in, society, in his society the way he wanted. But you know what? God had something even greater and more wonderful in mind. Habakkuk just didn't know it. God didn't tell him all, God didn't tell him the reason, all the reasons why he was going to do it that way. But what we find is God used Babylon, this wicked country, God put it in the mind of the king of Babylon to take a lot of the influential, powerful, even the middle-class Jews to Babylon, make them settle there. See, Babylon kind of wanted to get rid of this, a lot of the thinking of the Jewish people, wanted them to assimilate into Babylon culture. But you know what happened? God was at work in the hearts and the lives of those Jewish people. And 70 years later, when God put it in the heart of the new ruler of the new country that annihilated Babylon, basically, God put it in the mind of that new ruler to send them back to Judah. And you know what happened? When they went back, something happened that was just unbelievable. They no longer worshipped other gods. They worship the one true God, the God we worship. Habakkuk had no idea God was going to do that, but he did. He worked in their lives. After that, they no longer worshiped other gods. 
They worship the one true God. Isn't it great to see what God can do when we let him? Yeah. Well, it was just great to see. That was awesome. Well, God also worked in a very unexpected way in the life of another person who's written in the Bible, in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, verses 37 to 50. talks about a young man named Joseph. A lot of us here know that story, but if, if you're kind of new to all this, you know, the first book of the Bible, start with chapter 37, a wonderful story of what happened. This young guy, Joseph, he's his father's favorite. He has 11 other brothers, 10 older ones. And his brothers didn't like him, his older brothers, because he was his father's favorite. And he let them know it. And one day as a teenager, he had a dream. In fact, he had a couple dreams as a teenager. And in those dreams, what happened was his brothers were bowing down to him. Now, if you're an older brother, I'm an older brother, that does not feel good when your little kid brother tells you that one day you're going to bow to him. Well, thing is, is he said his brothers and his father were going to bow to him. So his brothers, they hated him even more. And one day, his dad sent him out to, the, to, to see where, the, you know, to check on his brothers. They're taking care of the sheep. And uh, his brothers see him coming and they say, oh, Let's get rid of this guy. So they planned to kill him. That's how much they hated him. They were going to kill him. But then along comes a caravan of traders, and they're on their way to Egypt, and the brothers think, ah, let's make some money off this. And so they sold him as a slave to Egypt. He gets to Egypt and uh, sold to, uh, as a slave to, in, to a, a real influential government leader. And he works in the house. And eventually he gets to become the head of all the servants, all the slaves in that house. He's overseeing the whole operations of the house so his boss can do his job in the government. And, uh, you know, hey, Joseph's thinking, wow, hey, this is pretty good. You know, and he starts thinking of that dream. Oh, yeah, my brothers. You know what? Maybe God's going to do something here. And one day my brothers are going to end up bowing to me. But then suddenly his world crashes in, it collapses. And he's accused of a wrong, he's wrongly accused of a crime, thrown into prison, and there he is. Uh, I don't know how you would feel, but I just, thinking of that story, thinking if it was me, I think I would give up all hope. I'd forget this dream. It's just like things going from bad to worse. But for some reason, Joseph hung in there. He hung in there. And in the prison, you know, he he just faithfully lived for God. And uh, it was just interesting to see how God worked in that situation to bring Joseph to the point where you know, he started interpreting dreams, and then, wow, one day, here he is. He's standing before the pharaoh of Egypt, the king, you know, the pharaoh of Egypt, interpreting his dream. And what happens? He ends up becoming the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. And uh, he, the dream he interpreted for the pharaoh was that there were going to be seven terrific years of crops and then seven years where 
of, of terrible famine. And Pharaoh put him in charge of the country's entire economy. And lo and behold, two, one or two years, who knows how long, into the famine, his brothers come to Egypt because they've run out of food. They come to Egypt to buy food. And what happens? They bow before Joseph. Wow. Wow. Now, in that dream that God gave Joseph, he only told them about that bowing down part, right? But you know what? That wasn't even the most important part. God hadn't told him the most important part. God wanted to accomplish something even greater, bigger. God wanted to use Joseph to keep his whole family from dying during that terrible famine. God had a great purpose for all those things that Joseph went through. And all the bad things that happened actually were crucial steps that God used in order to accomplish his purposes for Joseph and his family. So God was at work all along in, in Joseph's situation in order to accomplish something wonderful and amazing. But you know what? Before Joseph was asked to interpret Pharaoh's dreams, there wasn't very much evidence to, to show that God was at work in Joseph's situation. And I'm not certain how much Joseph even realized before that time just how crucial it was for all those bad things to happen to him. Well, when we read the story of Joseph, when we read the story of Habakkuk, you know, we have hindsight. You know, we have hindsight. We're able to look at the situation after it happened. And we're able, we know the end of the story. And we can see as we read the story how God was at work in those situations to accomplish his good purposes for those people. But for us, when we're in the middle of a tough situation, we don't always see what God's doing. We don't, we don't have the end of the story yet. And so what do we do when we're in the middle of the story? Well, one thing we need to do, we need to keep reminding ourselves that God is in control and he will accomplish his good purposes for you and for me. Well, let's, let's look again at Habakkuk. Uh, another thing that God tells us, things that we need to know when we're in the middle of difficulties. In Habakkuk 2 verse 3, God tells Habakkuk to wait patiently for God. You know, God says, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. Though it lingers, wait for it. It will certainly come. This verse implies just what we've just been talking about. While we wait, God is working behind the scenes. And what he's doing is he's putting all the pieces together in just the right way so that he can really fully accomplish everything that he wants to accomplish in our lives, in the situation, what he wants to accomplish in the lives of the other people involved in the situation. And that's what we saw with our daughter and, and our family as a whole. We saw God do some, some things, but we had to wait. We had to wait. It wasn't easy waiting. 
But what we see here is, you know, God is at work. And just like with Joseph, at every step along the way, he's working. Some of those steps are really crucial to what he wants to accomplish in our lives. And so we need to wait. We need to wait. You know, after Habakkuk heard everything that God said would happen, he was able to respond to God in uh, chapter 3, verse 6, and said, I will wait patiently. I will wait patiently for God to do what he says he'll do. That's what Habakkuk did. And that's what Joseph did. They waited. And both times God accomplished something wonderful, amazing in their lives. How many years do you think Joseph had to wait from the time God gave him his dream until the time God accomplished what God said he would do? How many years do you think? Definitely over 10 years. I'm guessing it probably was closer to 15 or 20 years from the time God gave Joseph that dream to the time that he brought it to pass. Uh, for Habakkuk, Habakkuk had, had to wait quite a while. We don't know how long, but he had to wait quite a while. But the thing is, is that sometimes waiting is not easy to do. That's the tough part, waiting. And that was God, Habakkuk's problem. That's why he kept asking God, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, and then when God finally gave him an answer, he was able to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to keep waiting. And, uh, you know, that, that's one important thing that God actually tells Habakkuk in this, in, in this letter. He says, he says, trust me. You know, trust God. We need to trust God. In chapter 2, verse 4, God told Habakkuk, he said, the righteous will live by his faith. And what we need to remember is that at that time, it was the righteous people who were being persecuted and oppressed by the wicked people around them. And so here God tells Habakkuk and all those other righteous people who, praise God, you know, he touched Habakkuk to write this, that book, put that stuff into writing and, and to share it with others. And so God, through what, Habakkuk, what he told Habakkuk, he was able to encourage many, many other people in the same situation. So that's what we need to do. We need to trust God. We need to live by faith. But what does that mean? What does that mean, to live by faith? Well, it's a life where we believe God. We believe in God. And if you're here and and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know, that, this is what God's saying to you right now. You know, believe in me. Believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, what else does he say? He also says, believe in what God says. Believe in what God says. Trust God. Seek to live our lives the way God wants us to live. These are all part of what it means to Live by faith. Live by faith. That's what he's telling the people there. Well, it's not always easy to live by faith. And part of the reason for that is because uh, what is written in Hebrews 11.1. 1. God gives us a good definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1. 1. He says, 
Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The conviction of things not seen. What significance does this verse have for us when we're in the middle of troubles, problems? Well, if we really are trusting God and what he said and what he's promised, then we'll come to the point where we are confident of several things. First off, we're confident that God is in control of our situation, even if it looks like he isn't. Wow, that helps us with that one earlier thing, doesn't it? And he also tells us, you know, if we'll be confident, if we trust him, we'll be confident that God is at work in the situation, even if we can't see what he's doing. And also that God will work everything together to those who love and trust him. Now, the great thing is that every single one of these things that's written here is a promise from God. It's a promise from God. Things that are solid and firm and can give us hope. And as we trust God and wait for him to work, you know, want to remind you, it's also okay, like Habakkuk, it's okay to keep asking God, what are you doing? It's okay to ask him, you know, what are you doing? Ask him to help us see the situation from his perspective. Habakkuk asked God more than once. We can do that too. And uh, what happens is sometimes as we're trusting God, he starts giving us more and more glimpses. As we go further and further through that situation, God will give us a little bit more idea of what he might be doing and give us a little better idea of how we can cooperate with him in what he's doing. And uh, as we trust God, it's good to ask him too and to just ask the Holy Spirit to, to help us to discern what to do and what not to do, what to say, what not to say. Dory and I have been learning a lot of that in another situation that we're still in right now. What to say. Uh, yeah. You can ask me more about that after the service if you want. <laughs> so, but the thing is, is, it's important to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. You know, what, to, what to do and what not to do. What to say, what not to say. So that we don't get in the way of what God wants to do. And so that like what happened with Joseph too, that after everything is said and done, God gets the greatest glory possible in and through the situation. Well, having a firm faith in God also enables us to rejoice in him, no matter, no matter how bad our circumstances may be. And that's what happened with Habakkuk. You know, he's still in the middle of this terrible situation, but he has faith in God. He's trusting God. And so at the end of the book, he's able to say this. He says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I, I will be joyful in God my Savior. Habakkuk was able to rejoice even in the middle of such a terrible situation. He could do that 
because he trusted in God. He believed what God promised he was going to do. And with Joseph, all along the way, uh, I don't know if he rejoiced or not in the middle of those difficult times. It doesn't say. But uh, I know that uh, he stayed true to God no matter what happened. And as a result, God richly rewarded his faith. God's wonderful promises wouldn't have happened to him. They wouldn't have come true if he had not remained true to God. And so I want to encourage you today, uh, if you're in some tough situation right now, sometimes we're in more than one tough situation, you know, but if you're in the middle of a tough situation, I want to encourage you to keep trusting God. Stay true to him in every situation you find yourself in, no matter how bad it may get. In the past couple years, Dory and I, as I've been sharing, we've gone through a, quite a few tough situations. And uh, just what happened with our daughter. And uh, as I mentioned, right now we're in the mid middle of a tough situation. But you know what? For Dory and myself, we've found that in each of these situations, as we've trusted God, God has done some great things. I know one situation, it's like, God, this will never happen. I don't, you know, for my, in terms of our future work that we were, you know, seven years ago, in terms of our future work, it's like, I don't think I'm ever going to do the stuff I'd been doing before. I, I don't think I'm ever going to be doing the stuff that I know God's gifted me to. It just didn't look like that was going to happen. I said, Lord, you know, I'm willing to serve you in whatever way you want, but, you know, this is not a good fit. And God just said, wait. You know, he, he didn't lead us anywhere else. It's like, this is where I want you. And interestingly, about four years later, the mission of our team changed. And it ended up being just what God had gifted us to do. And it's like, the thing is, is that at the time, you know, for four years, it's like, God, what are you doing? And, and, but it's like, okay, Lord, you want me to do this? I'll do that. I'm not real gifted for that, but I'll, I'll keep doing that. Okay. And I, little, did, little did we realize that the things, I, okay, I'll do this. Yeah, Lord. And we just went ahead and did and said, Lord, I'm trusting you. And, and God opened doors that it wasn't us. It was God. And you know what? Some of those tough, the things that I said, Lord, I'm not gifted for this, but I'll do it anyway. Some of those things God actually used to prepare the way for what we're doing now. Open doors, relationships, all sorts of things. And, and what, what we as a team are doing now, some of, a lot of the places where we're working now, it's because of what had happened in those four years when we were wondering, God, what in the world are you doing? Well, what about you? Are you facing a tough situation? If so, I want to encourage you to, to do those things that God told Habakkuk to do. And uh, the things that I found to be so important for me to do, I would like to encourage you to do that as well. Because uh, as 
we're in those situations and we don't know what's happening. God, what are you doing? What do you want me to do? You know, as we do these things, as we do these things, God is able to work in a mighty way and he is able to accomplish things that we never could have imagined before. He'll do some amazing things and some wonderful things and he's going to say, he's going to help us see how wonderful a God, how great a God we serve. He's going to show us, I know what I'm doing, and I'm doing it not just for your sake, but also so that I will receive the glory, so that more people who don't know me and don't worship me, they will see what's happening, and they too will start thinking, hey, there's maybe something different about this God this person serves, this God you serve, this God I serve. Praise God. So I want to encourage you to just hang in there. If it's tough, hang in there and just see what God will do. Let's pray. Lord God, I come to you today and uh, it's just something to see the ways in you, the ways in which you work in our lives. Lord, for those of us who are here and have, have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, it's because of some wonderful things you've done in our lives. And Lord, uh, when we get into the tough situations, I pray that you'd help us to remember those times in our past when you did something awesome and those ways in which you helped us with previous problems. And pray, Lord, that you'd help us to remember what things to do so that as we are in these tough situations, we can, we can have greater confidence in you. We can do those things you want us to do, and we can see the wonderful, awesome things that you'll do. Lord, if someone's here today and, and really having, a tough, having it tough, I pray that you would encourage them through these words. And afterwards, after we, after we uh, close our service here, that, uh, that they'll... Talk to somebody and, and we'll be able to encourage each other in you. Lord, I thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, and your power. May you be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.